All right, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Didn't you think that in that video that Tori sang really well? Like, he, that was really good. Um, that, was, that was just a joke. He wasn't singing that. Though, though he probably could sing that. That was really good. Hey, um, as we get prepared to kind of continue in our series in James, one of the things that I want to bring to your attention is if you have a smartphone and you have the Uversion app or the Bible app, and if you just go to the tab section, which I noticed if you have an iPhone, last week they updated it, so it's in a different location, just so you'll be aware of that. But if you search the well, Austin, you'll see the scriptures and there's a question and, and you can just follow along with the day. And if you don't have that app and you still would like to follow along, you can type in this link uh, into your browser and it will uh, take you there as well so you could do that. So make sure that you do that. Um, before we kind of launch into what we're talking about today, I just want to give you like a quick uh, public service announcement. I don't know what else to call it. Um, if you uh, were like me this past week, you probably saw multiple uh, can we call them controversies on social media? Can we say that? And uh, can I just give you a quick word of advice? This is just, this is Bob speaking. This is my opinion. Um, can you just be, just, just, let's just be careful when we post on Facebook because some of those, or any social media for that matter, because some of those conversations are much better had in person than uh, on social media because it's easy to misread or to misinterpret what people are saying. So just be, as you enter in those conversations, just be careful. And then, as always, Jesus is our example in everything that we do. And Jesus had the ability to profoundly disagree with someone and profoundly love them at the same time. And I think that that's a great example for us. So I just wanted to encourage you in that and challenge you in that just a little bit. So we're looking in the, the book of James and for me personally, this is for me personally, the book of James is probably one of the most fascinating books in all of the Bible. And I think that it's fascinating because of who wrote it, okay? So James, the half-brother of Jesus, um, is writing, and, and as he writes, one of the things you have to keep in mind is, as he writes, many of the things that he's writing about, he saw Jesus live out. So I don't know, just for the sake of curiosity for me, how many of you have a sibling? Raise your hand if you have a sibling, okay? Not everybody, but almost everybody in the room has a sibling. So what would it take for your sibling to prove to you that they are God? Like, it would be pretty significant, right? Like, I have a sister, and I'm confident, uh, probably beyond most things that I could ever be confident in, that there is a can I say this? That there is no way in hell that she would ever believe that I was God. Like, because she's, she knows me, she's seen me in action, like she knows that there's no way, like there's not a chance. And so for me to hear James talk about Jesus as God, to know what he went through, to know how he lived his life, especially over last week and this week as we talk about trials and temptations, to know that as he writes, his example is Jesus. Like he saw how he lived out his life, and he's saying, because I saw Jesus live this way, this is what I suggest that we do and follow him. So I think James is fascinating. Um, I also think that at times it's challenging. Um, like it says things in, in the book of James that kind of make me uncomfortable and it's a little prescriptive and do this. And, and so there's some of it that actually honestly makes me a little uncomfortable. But because it's written uh, from the perspective of, of Jesus' brother, I think it's interesting. 
So as we launch into that, I want us to do this. I want you to turn to somebody next to you or near you, and I want you to, to answer this question. Fill in the blank. I wish I was, and you fill in the blank. So don't take a long time doing this. Like one person gets 15, 20 seconds, another person gets 15 or 20 seconds, but just ask each other, fill in the blank, I wish I was, go. Like five, five more seconds. Okay, hopefully everybody had a chance to interact over that. Now what I want us to do is just, just it doesn't have to be your own thing. You could be kind of call out your neighbor on this or whatever. I'm okay with it either way. But just like, um, like name some stuff that... That you, that you said or that maybe you heard the row behind you say or whatever, like, I wish I was what? What, what are some of the things that we wish that we were? What, were? what are some of those things? An astronaut. An astronaut, okay, all right, what else? Eating, eating right now. You wish you were eating, <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. What else? That's it? More like Jesus, okay, all right, what else? What? You wish you were a mom, okay, all right, what else? Raptured, okay. <laughs> Anything else? I wish I was a fly. Did somebody say a fly? Oh, you wish you could fly. That's much better than being a fly. I would, I would agree. Yes, I wish I, I wish I could fly. Be a fly. I don't know. Um, anything else? It's just like you're dying to say. I wish I was thinner. Okay. All right. I wish I was Batman. Batman. I wish I was taller. Okay, all right, all right. So I think that there's a lot of things that we could fill in the blank there, and I think we all have some of those, okay? Like, I think we all have some of those things. Last week, um, if, you did, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to uh, Tori's message, because one of the things that he talked about is as we face trials, one of the, our battles is doubt, and we talked about that. This week, we're going to continue the discussion about trials but the battle is a little bit different. And the battle that's th this time that we're going to talk about is more about comparison. And so I actually tricked you just a little bit, so please forgive me. Um, but we do that a lot, right? I wish I was. And we may not verbalize it, but we at least think it. I wish I was whatever we said. Um, and I think that we do that a lot. And, and here's the thing that, that begins to frustrate me. Like around the holidays, I don't know if, you've ever, if this happens to you or not, but around the holidays, People that I know, they send um, like Christmas cards and some people send Christmas letters. I don't, have you ever received any of those? To be honest, I kind of hate those you know, on some levels because it's like, oh, my family's great. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I got a new job. I got a raise. My kids are awesome. Like they say all these really, really great things. And I'm thinking, 
man, compared to my life, their life is great. Like, what am, I, what am I doing wrong or what am I missing? And it gets a little bit frustrating. Now, here, I think we all deep down know this, but I'm going to give you a very profound truth up front. And I think we all know this, but I just want you to realize social media isn't real. <laughs> like, the stuff that people post, you realize that, that half of it isn't real, and they, most people only post, like, the greatest things ever, right? Like, the, like, ooh, look at my new hair, or, you know, look at this, I did this, my accomplishments. Like, most people aren't really going to say the bad things. And what happens to me, and I'm assuming maybe wrongly so, but what happens to some of us at some times, we get really frustrated because we think, well, why am I dealing with the crap that I'm dealing with and everybody else's life seems perfect? Like, am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? It's like, everybody's life seems perfect and I'm stuck dealing with this and it's frustrating. And I have to remind myself, social media isn't real. Like, half the stuff that people talk about isn't even true. And then if the stuff that they do talk about that is true, they leave out the bad stuff, right? Unless we all have that one friend that only posts bad stuff. And we all have that one friend. But for the most part, we only like see the best pieces of people's life and we don't see the whole life. And so I just want you to be aware that as we talk about that, I think we all face struggles, we all face trials, we all face temptations. And that's why I think as we talk about James today, it's super important. And so then the question becomes, well, if you shouldn't get your identity from other people or from social media or for Christmas letters, where should you get your identity from? And I know that we all do this. I'm just drawing attention to it. Like we get identity from all kinds of crazy places, like the clothes that we wear. So like, like some of us have, you, you might not term it this way, but some of us have this desire to be like hipster, right? You wouldn't use that terminology, I know. But, but you're like, I, I got to wear the certain shirt. I got to wear the certain shoes. I got to get the glasses whether I need them or not. I mean, you know, like there's certain things that we do. And so at my age, some of these things create a dilemma for me, okay? Because I, I want to be, like I want to, like I like to fit in. I like to be certain things. And there's just no really good examples of like old hipster guys. Like it's not, there's very few good examples of that. And so it creates a problem. And so, but we get identities from different places like, you know, well, do you shop at the Gap or do you shop at the Buckle or do you like, so different things have different identities, right? And so, or do you go to Goodwill? Right? And so there's like different, yeah. And so there's, we get identity from the things that we wear. We also get identity like, and this is a touchy subject for most, well, for some of us. Uh, we get identity from our hair. Like, you know, like, like, I had this comment today. I won't say who's did it, but they're like, Bob, your hair is much flatter today. <laughs> uh, um, and, and there's multiple reasons. One is just because it's like I need to get it cut and it's too long. And, and the other thing is like at my age, you're probably like there's a limit of product that you should put in your hair. Like, it, like people make fun of you at some point. And so it creates a problem. Um, and then the other thing, the, o- the other thing that wasn't that funny. The other thing, the other thing is we get identity. Some of us get identity from like the cars that we drive or the like, so like, Hey, I got You got to make sure that you have a, either an electric car or a hybrid car, right? We got to have those kind of like, then we get some identity from that. Or you got to have this imported car. You got to have like a certain kind of car or you got to have a two door car. Cause if you have a four door car, that's not cool. Or even, or even beyond that, like the minivan, 
I, I ha- here's, how, here's how shallow I am, okay? I'm just, can I be completely transparent? This is how shallow I am. I refused. Well, now my kids are old enough that like a minivan doesn't even make sense. But when my kids were little, I refused. I'm not going to get a minivan because I have a problem, right? I, like I want people to view me a certain way. That's why I'm wearing this shirt because I want you to like me. And a minivan, like here's, here's what I hear when I hear minivan. And those of you, I know some of you have them. Um, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me, okay? So don't, so don't get offended. But when I hear minivan, here's why I can't drive it. And this is insecurity on my part. I'm just being honest. When I hear minivan, I hear miniman. And so I'm just like, I can't. I could never do that. And I know that the rest of you are way more secure uh, than I am, and it's just my issue. But what I'm saying is we get identity from all kinds of places, and we compare. And what I want us to be careful with is who are we comparing to and why are we comparing. And I want us to look at what James tells us. James chapter 1, starting in verse 9, and it says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits." We can sum all, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here, and we're not time to, to really dive into all of it, but the summation of those verses right there is, in the end, everybody's the same. It doesn't matter how little you had or how much you had. It doesn't matter how great you were or how lowly you were. Matter of fact, it says, for the lowly to boast, because you're at some point, whether it's now or in the next life, you'll be raised up. And so the point is, everybody in the end is the same. And I think that, that on some levels, that's encouraging. That I shouldn't compare myself to everybody else. Because the goal is, like, if, you, if you're trying, attempting to follow Jesus, the goal is that he's beginning to mold you and shape you. And that at some point, he's moving you into something else. He's be- helping you become something else. And you're becoming better. And you're becoming greater. Not because of who you are. Because of who he is. Not because of your efforts, but because of his grace and his mercy. And so the, the main point in, in those three verses is that ultimately everybody ends up being the same. And it's more about who you're becoming than who you've been. I want everybody to hear that. It's more about who you're becoming than who you've been. And the big thing in this particular piece right there is identity Don't miss this. Identity is received, not achieved. I kind of hoped that we would get some amens at that point because I thought that was pretty good. Identity is received, not achieved. Okay, thank you. Thank you. But I think that that's true, but we don't usually live that way. Like we usually live by what can I accomplish, what can I do, what can I wear, what can I drive, how can I be, how can I act, what can I say. But what James is trying to tell us is your identity comes, comes from who God is and has nothing to do with who you are or who you're not. 
Verse 12. Before we read verse 12, here's what I suspect. I'm just going to tell you how I operate. When things are going well in my life, you know what I usually think? Good job, Bob. When things are going well, I'm like, I did good. Like, I, I accomplished something, things went well. But when I find myself in the midst of struggle, for some reason, my temptation is to turn to, God, what's, why'd you do this? Like, I kind of begin to blame God. When it's going great, good job, Bob. When it's going bad, God, come on, what's, what's the deal? What's going on? Like, that's my tendency if I'm not careful. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. So it's like, here's one of the ways that you can be blessed. And Tori talked about this a lot last week. How can you be steadfast in the midst of trial? Be steadfast in the midst of trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then the desire, when it's conceived, gives birth gives birth to sin, and the sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. James gives us three examples of how we can be secure in our, our identity of who God makes us to be and how we can withstand trials. And he gives us three, and we're going to look at them, and they're all in three things in, in this particular verses, starting uh, in verse 12. And his example in verse 12 is interesting because it says, those who remain steadfast under trial will get a crown. Um, and his example there is, so how many of you, um, whether currently or maybe in high school or some point, like you participated in some sort of athletic competition, like you did something, okay? Okay. And how many of you like grew up in, the, in an era where the, like if you did soccer with the Y, they like didn't keep score or, or whatever, and everybody got a certificate, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so this is not what he's talking about exactly. What he's talking about is when you, like, endure, when you, like, when you, when you accomplish, when you win, so, like, the NBA championship, what do they get when, like, the, the person wins at the end? For those of you who don't like sports, there's two more coming, okay? So, so it's okay. Um, when they win the NBA title, what do they get? A trophy and a ring, okay? What is the, the Super Bowl uh, champions? They get, what is that? It's called the we, Lombardi. I heard one person. Apparently, we don't like football at the well. Um, I don't even know what the answer is this. When they win the Wimbledon, they get the, I don't know what the answer is. I don't watch ten. The what? A cup? They get a cup, okay? So, so when you endure, you get a crown. So, so what James is telling us is like, be steadfast. Like, be, like, like, don't give up. Don't quit. How about MMA? Don't tap out. Don't tap out. Because if you don't tap out, it says very clearly, if you don't tap out, you'll receive the crown of life. So then the question becomes, well, so 
How, does Jesus, how did Jesus do it? Because Jesus, right, he was tempted. He went through some trials like it was difficult. And the question then becomes, how did he do it? And when you read scripture, it's clear that he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't want you to get misled to think, well, all I'm telling you is just to try a little bit harder. Because it's not about trying a little bit harder. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to give you the power and the strength to be steadfast, to not tap, to not quit, to not stop, to not lay down. And that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, not from your own power, because left to our own devices, we would all tap out. Um, it also tells us, we don't, you don't have to turn there, but it also tells 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 13, it tells us like, that nobody's going to face a temptation that other people haven't faced. Like we're, it's all, we're, we're in the same boat, and that God gives us the power and the strength to say no. He gives us a way out. Okay? So then, in verses 13 and 14, let's look at those. In verses 13 and 14, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. And God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That word lured right there is actually a fishing term, okay? Uh, let me be frank as we talk about this. I know very little about fishing, but I'm about to give you a fishing example. How many uh, fisher people do we have? How many? A few. We have a few fisher people. The whole thing, the whole concept, to be honest, makes very little sense to me. Um, you get up sometimes early in the morning. Okay, I have no desire to do that. You go out and you put some bait on a hook and you sit and you wait. Like, I don't want any part of that. Especially when... You can just go to H-E-B and buy a fish. Um, but those of you who are fisher people, answer me this. Don't different fish, aren't they attracted to different bait, right? So like some fish like this and some fish like this and some fish, like I don't know what it is that they like, but some of them, they like different things. True for you and me. Like some of us are tempted by some things and other things don't bother some people. Like for me, honestly, like drugs was never a temptation for me because I don't know why, just like God protected me from that. That wasn't a temptation for me. But there are other things that I, like there's a lot of stuff that I struggle with that are temptations and that's why like I have to be careful. Like it's probably not a good idea for me to go to like a, a water park. Very few people understand what I'm saying, but it's like that's not a good idea for me, Right? And so, like, some of you, like, to be around somebody who, like, is having a party and, and they're drinking, like, that's a huge temptation because you see the lure and you, you see the bait and you forget that there's a hook. That's what it's talking about right there. Like, there's bait, like, like Satan dangles different bait for different people, and we forget that when we get close to the bait, you know what happens? To me and to you, when we get close to the bait, we're like stupid fish. And we're like, hmm, that looks good. Give me some of that. And we forget that there's a hook there. We forget that there's, there's something that's going to, like, sin itself, temptation itself never completely reveals itself. Because we think, well, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty enticing. Give me some of that. And there's always a hook. And it's devastating. There's always a hook. And so when he's using this particular example uh, of the fishing, it's like, be careful, and then he goes on to say that God doesn't tempt. 
Like, because sometimes we blame God for all kinds of things that really aren't God's fault. And so when you are tempted, that's not coming from God. That doesn't mean that God can't use those things to grow you, to, to show you some things, to stretch you, to, to make you become a more like him. But, it, but it's not God tempting you, and that's what James tells us. And then in verse 15, let's look at that again. It says, so the first one, the first comparison and, and Ident- help us to keep our track of our identity is like, don't give in, like don't tap out. The second one is be aware of like the bait and the lure thing and the hook. And the last one, verse 15, it says, then when the desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Um, so this is, a, this is a really negative example, and so I need to clarify up front. I'm not suggesting that this is how you do it. So if you're, if you're a single woman, I'm about to give a, an illustration, that I'm not, and I'm saying this is not how you should live your life, but this is what it's talking about, okay? So a single woman meets an interesting guy. You know what that means, interesting? Um, it means he's kind of a bad guy, but I'm kind of attracted to that. That's what that, when I use the interesting, like he, uh, he has some really cool tattoos. He goes to dangerous places. He rides a motorcycle. Like, I don't know, I'm making some of that up. But, but you're kind of attracted to that and you're like, and I know, I know that he's not a Christian, but it's gonna be okay because I'm not really, I'm like, it's, it's no big deal. I just wanna hang out with him. And you hang out with him for a while and then you wanna mess around a little bit, and you mess around a little bit, and then at some point, you don't realize it until it's too late, you realize that this temptation now has given, taken to a whole new level because now you have conceived. And now, you've given birth to your sin, okay? Now, what I'm saying is, I'm not suggesting that's how you should live your life. Um, what, I'm using, he, what James is saying is that's like a, an example. So the example simply is you, like, you see this temptation and you kind of date it for a while and then you kind of mess around for a while and then you conceive. And so the question then becomes, okay, well, what if I have, <laughs> what if I have, I don't even know if this actually is the right terminology, but what if I have impregnated my sin or impregnated my temptation and it has become sin? Then the question becomes, okay, well, what do I, what do, I do about that? But, uh, so we're supposed to fight against that, but what if I've done that? I think this is one of the key things for today. Jesus was born. He lived without sin to die for our sin so that through his death is birthed our life. Like, that's significant. Through our sin, through our sin, we birth death. But through Jesus' death, he births life. That's a significant thing. And so it doesn't matter. So there's two points to, to as James gives us this illustration of how to withstand or, or go against these temptations. The one point is, be steadfast. And the other point is, okay, if you took the bait and you took the hook, what does that mean? And the, the answer is that Jesus died so that you might have life. And I think that that's pretty significant. But all of that, I get super excited about 16 through 18. And we could talk, we could probably talk for weeks about this. 
I'm going to discipline myself so that we don't talk for weeks. Um, but this is so good. Verse 16 says, don't be deceived. Why does it, why does it say don't be deceived? Because we like, typically we get deceived. Don't be deceived. Who? My beloved brothers. Don't be deceived because you are loved. You're in the family. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Two things. God is good. And every good thing that we have comes from him, and he does not change. There's a couple reasons why this is, ex- is very significant. In your life and in my life, sometimes we don't acknowledge the good things that we have from God. I want to point a few of them out for you. You are sitting in a chair. God is good. You're breathing air. God is good. Most of you, most of you will leave church today and you will go out to eat and you will eat a meal that in most parts of the world is greater than a meal that they would have for a celebration. God is good. You have friends. God is good. You have a spouse. God is good. You have a job. God is good. You have money. God is good. We have the freedom to get together and talk about Jesus. God is good. Like we don't acknowledge, like we think sometimes that because we're going through some specific struggles, we we fail to realize how even in the smallest ways, God is good. And I just want to challenge you to think about that today. In your life, how is God good? And you might be in the midst of some of the biggest trial that you've ever been in, and your life as a whole might actually be a huge struggle, and it might kind of stink right now. But I want to challenge you, at least find one way in how you can say that God is good. God is good. And then it goes on to say that we shouldn't be deceived because we should know where our identity comes from. And I think that as we talk about this whole piece of scripture, I think it it speaks strongly to make sure that you understand, don't be deceived, that God is your father, your identity comes from him, that he doesn't change. And one of the significant things about that God doesn't change is he doesn't change his mind about you. Like, I think this is what we think sometimes. That God is completely disgusted with us, frustrated with us, angry with us because of what we did last night, what we did last week, what we did last month. And what I want you to understand is when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, his frustration, his anger, his disgust went on Jesus and not you. And he doesn't change his mind. He says, I choose you, I love you, I want you in my family, and he does not change his mind. And sometimes we, when we get tempted by the bait and we get hooked, we think, man, what does God think about me? And I want you to know that this is exactly what he thinks about you. I want you to be in my family. I choose you, I pick you. I love you. 
And I think that that's very, very significant. And don't miss this. So let's look at verse 18. This is my favorite. Like the, this is, we could pretty much just read this one verse and go home today. It is so good. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Whose will did you bring forth? Who did it? It says by his will, who is his? Okay. This side did pretty good. This side not so much. It was not a trick question. It was God. By his own will, he says, I want you. I bring you forth. I choose you. By his own will, by the word of truth, look what it says. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Oh my goodness. Do you see what that says? God considers you, don't miss this. If you didn't hear anything that I said all day, don't miss this. Every single one of you. God looks at you as first and best. (laughs) Are you serious? God looks at you as first and best. That's what that verse means. God looks at you as first and best. Why would we seek our identity from anywhere else? Why would we struggle with our identity when we're going through trials? Why would we struggle with our identity when we're being tempted? God says you're first and you're best. I don't know about you, If God thinks that, if he thinks that I'm first and that I'm best, I can withstand any trial and any temptation because he thinks I'm first and best and he gives me his power through his Holy Spirit to say no to sin. Not because I try harder, not because of who I am, but because of who he is and what he did through his son Jesus to offer forgiveness of my sins. First and best, that's you. And that's me. Let's pray. God, I thank you that even in the midst of our trials and temptation, you can grow us and you can stretch us. And God, it is somewhat mind-boggling that you consider us first and best. That when you see us, you don't look at us with disgust or anger. You look at us with love, with grace, with mercy. As we continue to pray this morning, I just want to point out a few things. For those of you that came today and maybe you are just investigating Christianity or, or you don't really know for sure exactly what you believe, what I want you to know from what we talked about today is that the brother of Jesus believed that he was God, believed that he said no to sin and that he said no to temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that you have access to a living God because of who Jesus is 
and what he did on the cross, that he died for the forgiveness of your sins and three days later came back to life so that God could look at you as first and best. And it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've done because of the forgiveness that Jesus offers, God sees you as first and best. And for those of you that have said yes to Jesus, and maybe at the present moment you find yourself in the midst of a trial, that maybe you're just being bombarded with temptation, if that's you, would you just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. You're in the midst of a trial. You're struggling with temptation. If that's you, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, this morning, Many of us have raised our hands and you already know our hearts, but I just want to pray for my brothers and my sisters who say that I'm struggling right now. I'm in the midst of a trial. I have this temptation. God, I pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them courage, that you would give them power. God, I pray that you would help them to see that you look at them as first and best. In your righteous and holy name we pray, amen.